Are you ready for this? Let's. I don't think you're ready for this. <laughs> Give me a... I was trying to think of like one of those acting warm ups that's like red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow. Oh, leather. I I see where you tried to go there. <laughs> so I don't spit all over Matt's shirts. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Hello, all you magnificent misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horrorwood. We're here for part two part of the Tammy Lynn Leopard case. I don't think we really have any biz nasty to cover, so I think let's just go right on in. Okay, I'm ready. If you haven't listened to part one, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're going to be so confused, but you do you. I mean, sometimes maybe you just like to dive in. It's kind of like whenever I go out to the living room and Spencer's like halfway through a series and I'll sit down and watch and then start asking questions and doing that annoying thing. of like, Whoa, who is that? Why are they doing that? What's happening? And Did that person kill that person? I don't know. <laughs> That's the number one question that I ask. Uh, in part one, we left off where 18 year old Tammy had been having some emotional problems ever since returning from some mysterious party that we know nothing That's about. Right. She, she said she witnessed something or said like yes. she sh- she saw something she shouldn't have. Exactly. And mm. there's no information on where this party took place. Oh, weird. Or who was there. It's very strange. Well, it was in Florida. so Was it? We oh, don't that's know. right. We don't know. We don't Maybe know where the party was. Maybe it was across the border. And... Because I have read that it was, quote, out of town. Okay. That's but there's ambiguous. zero information about the party. Hmm. After this party, Tammy started telling people, like you were saying, that she'd mm-hmm. seen something she shouldn't have. She would sometimes bring up money laundering, according to these That's so scary. family members and friends who were talking about this. And she would say that someone was trying to kill her. So for a, how old would she have been there? She would have been 17 when she came back from that party. So like, that's a lot. That's still pretty young. For yeah. a teenager to have on her shoulders. Yes. After having a breakdown on the set of Scarface, Tammy's mom, Linda, took her to a mental health care facility facility to be evaluated as a facility. I like how you said that, Kate. Thank you. It's a new accent. I like it. Basically, Linda had her Baker acted. So, Oh, that's right. Yes. When you think a, a family member is in danger. Yes, or a loved one a loved or whoever one. you're caring right. for. Or that they could endanger someone else. You can put them in the hospital. Yes. And they can stay a maximum of 72 hours if they're an adult, if the doctor doesn't see any reason to keep them longer. After running some tests, doctors couldn't find anything physically or psychologically wrong with right. Tammy. And it's like 72 hours, right? Mm-hmm. And she didn't display any abnormal behavior. She didn't have any aggressive behavior. There were no drugs or alcohol in her system, so they released her. They had no reason to keep her. They said that there was nothing wrong with her, that she was in good health and good to go. Uh, 
That's tough. I don't know. I mean, like, what, do you think there's a possibility that she was just trying to hide it? Possibly. We don't know. We don't know. Um, yeah. It's all speculation. Suzanne, Tammy's half-sister, believes Tammy was given a pregnancy test. We brought this up in part one. While she was at the facility that came back positive and indicated that she was three months pregnant. But this isn't confirmed. After she was released, Tammy hung out with her good friend Rick Adams on the evening of July 5th, 1983. She told him she'd seen something she shouldn't have and she was really scared. She cried and told him she might have to go away for a while, but that she loved him. They did plan to meet up again the next day. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of where we left off in part one. Yes, exactly. They planned to meet the next day, but when Rick called her that next day, she was gone. So that was on Wednesday, July 6th. It was hot in Central Florida that day. It got up to 95 degrees by that afternoon. And you know that humidity was sticky, going strong. Sticky. Yes. That morning, Tammy called her friend Keith Roberts to come pick her up. Supposedly, they were going to the beach. Which, if it's really fucking hot, you're going to go to the sure. beach. Sure. Go cool off and have some pina coladas <laughs> and, and with your striped ta- beach towels. I mean, she was 18 oh, and she didn't right. drink. Well, so. that's what I would do. Okay. Well, I have a virgin pina colada. <laughs> there you go. But it's weird that she called Keith to hang out because she'd already made plans with Rick. So that's always something that's been like, what? Why did she call this other guy when she had plans with her friend. Yeah, that's weird. Some reports state that Keith picked her up at 11 a.m. Linda stated on the police report that he picked her up at 1 p.m. Not sure why the discrepancy there, but Keith was at his job in Lakeland at the time, which is about two hours away from Rockledge, where Tammy was. Mm-hmm. Tammy had known Keith for about two years, according to Linda's police report. In an article in Florida Today. Florida Today. Florida today. (laughs) That came out several years after her disappearance. Keith stated he'd met her in one of Linda's acting classes around 1980. He said he remembered her suffering a, quote, drastic and weird character change in the months leading up to her disappearance. And that she told him she was really unhappy at home and wanted to leave. And remember, she had wanted to give up the pageant life around the age of, like, 16. She was ready to just kind of put that behind her. The pageant life was Linda's whole world. Here we go with this bitch. I mean, we talked about Linda last time, and she's Mm -hmm. just, yeah, she doesn't sound like the greatest Yeah, people didn't have a lot of nice things to say about her. Mm -hmm. But Tammy was her entire world. Right. And for a teenage girl, when you're already, like... For teenage girls, you're just going through some stuff at that age. And the mother-daughter relationship is already complicated. And I think in Tammy and Linda's situation, there was a lot of friction between them. One with Tammy not wanting to pursue pageants anymore. With her being Baker acted, she was pissed at her mom for putting her in the mental health care facility. So there was a lot of tension at home between Mm -hmm. those two. Keith said Tammy called him that Wednesday morning, July 6th, at the bank where he worked in Lakeland, asking him to come pick her up, which he did. He said when she got in the car, she asked to borrow $300. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we talked about we talked the about very that beginning very of top. part one. And he gave it to her. 
Then she wanted him to drive her to Fort Lauderdale, which was two hours away. He said he didn't have time for that, especially since he'd just driven two hours from Lakeland. So she insisted he just let her out of the car. He said he dropped her off in Cocoa Beach around 1 p.m. and never saw her again. So that's what Keith is saying. And this is where things get pretty interesting. Looking at the police report, I'm going to try to post a picture of it that I found online, but it's probably going to be pretty small. I don't know if we're going to be able to really make out the details. Looking at the police report filed by Linda, it says that at the time, Tammy was actually staying with family friend Wally Eberwine in Cape Canaveral. However, the Rockledge residence is where Keith picked her up, and it's listed as Tammy's address on the report. And it's also where Rick dropped her off the night before. So I don't know what that is about. I just thought it was interesting that she was staying with a friend or that Linda said she'd been staying with a friend. And the Rock Rockledge is her, like where she lives with yes, with Linda, right? With Linda and Wing Flanagan, oh, Wing and Flanagan. his mother, and she assaulted him with a baseball bat. So I mentioned that in part one because you would ask, did he, did she still have the bat? And I realized I might have misspoken because oh, I don't okay. know if she was still holding the bat, but she did go after him. So whether it was with her bare hands or bat or with bat, it doesn't. She, yeah, she still tried to. She did go on the attack, okay. which is what prompted Linda to check her into, into that, facility. that facility. Right. Sorry to keep making you backtrack. No, no worries. It's good to like rehash. <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering. Like, yes, I'm remembering. So Linda goes on in the report to say that Keith Roberts was taking Tammy to the beach. She said that when Tammy didn't come home that night. She attempted to contact Keith, but couldn't get in touch with him. Then on July 8th, two days after Tammy was last seen, Linda and Keith finally made contact. I don't know if Keith finally called her back or if Linda tried again and was finally able to get in touch with him. How many days or hours? Two days. Two days. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's not that long. It's not, but when you But when when someone's missing, you haven't heard from them, it could be... Yeah, because Linda later says, like, she would have always called me if she was going to be late. Even if she were mad at me, like, she would have called me. Okay. Keith told Linda that a couple hours after picking Tammy up, they got into an argument, and he dropped her off in Cocoa Beach and hadn't seen her since. So the argument being the Fort Lauderdale situation that she wanted to go. She wanted to go farther, and he's like, I'm not driving you that far. And she's like, then let me out. Yes, Linda stated that Keith seemed to know more than he was letting on. Mm -hmm. She said she'd known him for about two years and that he was, quote, secretive about his past and where he lives. In the police report, Linda provided information on where Keith worked as well as where his mother lived because she would have known his mom since he was a client of hers at the modeling agency. And she went on to say that Tammy was a good kid, had never run away, and like I was saying, would call her if she was going to be late coming home. She does not mention anything about the possibility of Tammy being pregnant on this report. Okay. Do you think her Linda was aware or knew? Well, to refresh your memory in part one, Suzanne was saying that the doctor told Linda the positive yeah. pregnancy test results. Therefore, Linda would have known. Okay, got if- you. If she were in fact pregnant, if that test if that was, even was actually done. if that actually happened, but we, don't we have know, no confirmation. Right? Oh, I thought only the sister knew, but Li- that makes sense. Of course, Linda would know because she's Linda a minor. was the one there, right? And to also refresh your memory, the sister we're referring to, her half sister Suzanne, Suzanne never met Tammy. Okay, well, 
um, maybe we should reconsider. So there's a there's a lot to process here, and we're going to try to go through it all in like the most um, logical way that I can sure. describe it. Oddly, mm. Linda filed this missing persons report shortly after midnight on July 11th, five days after Tammy left to go to the beach. I don't love that. Linda later stated that because Tammy was 18, she had to wait to file a missing persons report. Uh. I looked this up. There is no waiting period to file a missing persons report regardless of age. Was that the case at that time? I would assume so because I I looked specifically in Florida. So it's unclear if Linda had attempted to call the police and they told her, oh, wait, you know, a few hours. That could have happened. We don't have that in the report. Absolutely. I mean, she could have been talking to the police and they could have been like, well, you know, wait to file the report or something. But there's no record of that. There's no. There wouldn't. I mean, there wouldn't be, would there? I'm not sure. I feel like on the actual report, they might have stated that oh, she had called. Provided. Oh, okay. You know what I yeah. mean? But I don't know. Florida. We've obviously heard of many cases where when the missing person is an adult, the police have been slow to act. They just assume the person wanted to leave on their own free will because they were over 18. So maybe Linda just assumed there was a law about that, or maybe someone told her there was. We just don't know. But why on earth would you wait five whole days days to file a missing persons report when your child has never been known to run away? This is totally out of character for Tammy. And the guy you say is shady has told you he let her out of the car and hasn't seen her since. And he told her that on July 8th. Seems weird. It's all off to me. Yeah. In the report, Linda lists Tammy's good friends as Rick Adams, who had just seen her the night before she vanished. Rick. The DeLorean-driving Atlanta-based forensic dentist extraordinaire and failed horror movie producer. Oh, fuck. I forgot about this guy. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. And last but certainly not least, (laughs) disgraced and disbarred attorney slash baby seller slash purse thief, Walter Lewis. Babies in purses. And that's it. That okay, was... well, that's not great because, like, ha- most of those people aren't good people. The only person on there that's actually Tammy's friend and close to her Rick. age is Rick. Yeah. Who she'd hung out with the night before. Oh, I don't love this. But that was Tammy's list of friends per Linda. So some other interesting pieces of this puzzle. On July 12th, one day after Linda filed this report... Florida Today published the first article on Tammy's disappearance. It's written by Hannah Leah Skolnick, and in it, Linda states that Tammy had been having emotional and physical problems for a few months and had met with Keith to, quote, talk things out. It's the first time she's brought up physical problems. And what some, physical problems? Right. Some speculate she's alluding to the pregnancy if Tammy were, in fact, pregnant. Because at the facility, the doctor said there was nothing physically wrong with her. That's that's weird. In this article, Linda states she only knows Keith by his first name. But in the police report filed one day prior, she gives his last name. She knows where he works, says she's known him about two years. And Keith said he'd met Tammy in one of Linda's acting classes. 
So suddenly she doesn't know one of her own clients. I was going to say, like, Keith is a client of Linda's. Exactly. How would she, why would she say she doesn't know his last name? It's so weird. Uh, In the same article, Linda states she called dozens of friends and relatives, but no one had seen or heard from Tammy. However, it was later reported that on the day Tammy was last seen, Tammy made three calls to her aunt's costume shop in Cocoa Beach. Her aunt, Ginger Kolsch, which is also a type of beer, was out of town, so Tammy had to leave messages. Ginger is Linda's sister. Supposedly, her aunt said that these were urgent messages and that Tammy sounded like she was afraid of somebody. Mm. When Tammy couldn't reach her aunt, it's reported she called Ron Abeles, who was a friend of hers that owned a video store near the location where she was dropped off. But he was also unable to take the call. The thing about these phone calls is there's no record of them, at least not public. The police never mention anything about them, which, if these calls did exist, one would think the cops would have treated the investigation with a little more urgency, at least in the, be- in, you know, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because, as we'll come to find out, the detective in charge at the time assumed Tammy had just left on her own free will because she was 18. On the Unfound podcast, of which Anthony Wayne, a.k.a. Crime Blogger 1983... A.K.A. Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> with a U. Yes, yeah, Sherlock with a U. My computer hates that. He was a guest discussing this case. Disgusting? <laughs> he, was, he was a he guest. He was a disgusting guest. He was not disgusting. No, I know. But he was a guest discussing this yeah. case. And I mentioned it in part one as well. Anthony says it was Linda who stated these calls to Aunt Ginger were made. It's unclear if Ginger Kolsch, Tammy's aunt, not the beer, even received any messages from Tammy. And nothing is ever brought up again about Ron Abeles, the friend she supposedly called after Ginger. Like, his name's thrown out there, and then it just, like, flies away. Bye. So we don't know what was said on these messages, or if they even occurred at all. It's so bizarre. I'm looking at you to give me answers, and I know you don't have them. I just, everything is like, well... This is what someone said happened, but there is nothing to back it up. And the someone is always Linda. Although Tammy's sister Suzanne believes she did in fact make these calls, Anthony doesn't think these calls ever happened either. He thinks Linda made this up to put pressure on Keith Roberts because Linda felt Keith knew more than he was letting on. So kind of like she was saying, well, maybe if I put this out in the news that like, Tammy was frightened and there was something happening maybe Keith would like get scared if he did have something to do with it oh so she's like trying to go around the kind of around him and push okay I think I see what's happening here yeah he she thinks that he is behind the disappearance Mm -hmm. and she's doing everything she can to like smoke him out that's it exactly I also don't think that these calls happened there's no record of them We don't know what was said. And if the businesses like her aunt's shop and that friend's video store were as close as they're made out to be from where Tammy was dropped off, why didn't she just go to those stores? I mean, couldn't you also like look at phone records to see like incoming calls? Yeah, that comes up. uh, I believe Anthony brings it up and there aren't any. Like we just there are no records. Oh, there's no records. Why didn't Tammy call her mom? Why didn't Tammy call the police if she was worried about something or scared of something? I mean, she's not having a great relationship with her mother. 
she's scared of something. No one seems to really be taking her seriously. Mm-hmm. And she can't trust her mom because look what her mom just did to her. She threw her in a, a, an institution. She institutionalized her. Like... I do know that she was pissed off at her mom because like, right. when she got out of the facility, like she was mad. Mm-hmm. So I get why she maybe she wouldn't have called her mom if she was scared that Keith was going to do something or if she was worried about getting back home because now she's out of the car. But why wouldn't she call the police? And also we we can't corroborate that Keith that that's what happened with Keith though too, right? Exactly. That's just what Keith is that's saying. That's what Keith happened. said happened. Yes. And these phone calls, who who talked about the phone calls? The aunt? So the way it's quote unquote reported. Yeah. The, the information that's out there, it'll say things like her aunt Ginger said that she sounded urgent on the phone. Okay. But it seems that's coming from Linda. Like Linda is saying, we don't oh, know her that aunt this, Ginger. Her aunt Ginger said so and so, and we yes. don't. We've never, you know, Aunt Ginger's never actually like. Talked. Yeah, I couldn't find anything saying the police ever went to Aunt Ginger. And she lives in fucking Cocoa Beach, mm-hmm. which is like where, Tammy or at least got, her store is there, right? Or where Tammy got dropped off. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't think the calls happened. I, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I don't. I just don't think Linda thought all of that through. I do think she was just trying to. She's scare making Keith. up lies to scare Keith. So let's talk more about Keith. Oh, that's. <laughs> I sorry. <laughs> I'm. Ex- I want to hear more. All right. Hey. You just got really excited over there, Keith. According to the Brevard County Sheriff's Department, Keith was born on August eighth, nineteen sixty one, making him three and a half years older than Tammy. So he would have been just shy of his 22nd birthday at the time of Tammy's disappearance. Keith had been married before. When he was 18, he married another 18-year-old, which, like, people were doing that. People still do it. I don't know anything more about that relationship other than it didn't last very long. Cool your tits, teenagers. Like, calm down. I don't think anyone should well no one should get married until you're old enough to drink at your own wedding if you like to drink but i also don't think anyone should get married until a your frontal lobe is completely developed <laughs> and like maybe just wait till after 30 i agree i used to love watching i forget what show it was it was on tlc but it was about couples who were super religious and never like uh, had sex or did anything yeah. before marriage and then they would get married and like try to do the first kiss at their wedding. And it wasn't <laughs> good. And it, <laughs> one guy was like, Ooh. it was, uh, it's you, bad news. You always need to check out all the things before getting married. You guys, you can never really fully know someone. Yeah. You always gotta, you gotta check out all the parts. You gotta check out all the things before, before you take that plunge. Social security numbers, lockboxes. Oh, background interesting checks. that you should bring up social security numbers because we're going to talk about that. Uh, That's going to come up at the end. Okay. Just briefly. It's just like a little like, <laughs> boop, social security numbers. It has nothing to do with this story. It, you're just reading some you found. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> and the three social security numbers that I got from the internet are. So try those out. <laughs> we do not promote identity theft. Thank you for the Disclaimer. PSA. In 1985, so a couple of years after Tammy vanished, Keith, who would have been around 24 or 25 at the time, remarried, this time to a 17-year-old girl. 
named Terry. Gross. That's a child. Like Tammy, Keith met Terry at Linda Curtis's modeling company, Galaxy Productions. Keith and Terry would eventually divorce, but not before having two kids together. So they were together for a, for a bit. Anthony Wayne was able to get in touch with Terry a few years ago when he was looking into this case. And Terry told him that during their marriage, Keith had been extremely physically abusive to oh, her. Oh, shit. She said he, this is an odd thing. She said he kept a picture of Tammy in his wallet, like one of her modeling pictures. And he would occasionally pull it out and threaten Terry saying, you're going to end up like her. Nah. What's interesting. Is Keith still alive? He is. Okay. At least the last I looked up. Sure. Despite having met Keith at Linda's company and being a resident of the area, Terry said she didn't know who Tammy was. It wasn't until after she and Keith divorced that she realized who Tammy was and that she was missing. So every time that Keith would pull out this picture of Tammy and be like, you're going to end up like Tammy. She was like, okay, who's that? Like She didn't know. Terry said she also didn't know Keith had been married before, saying he lied to her about that and she didn't even find out until years later. She found the part about Keith lending Tammy $300 a little suspect, stating that he never had that kind of money on him. She was like, I don't know about that. Oh, this is, okay. Everything you're talking about is making me realize that this is all hearsay and this is nothing actually proven. Right. Like the $300 too. We don't know that that actually We don't know happened. that that transaction ever occurred. Right. Well, like why would you? Yeah. And Keith, was Keith the one that said that? Mm-hmm. That she asked for the that 300 That asked him. And that, that wasn't a Linda lie? That No, that's what Keith said. Right. It's speculated that Tammy had loaned Keith the money and was asking for him to repay it or that if she were in fact pregnant, perhaps Keith was the father that's something that's been speculated about yeah, but they don't even know each other that well keith and tammy right keith and tammy knew each other for two years oh that's right i'm sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. who was it that she didn't know very well terry didn't know terry tammy. didn't know tammy wow there's just a lot of t's i know it's a, a lot, lot of t of... names so there's speculation that if tammy were in fact pregnant perhaps keith was the father and the money was to go toward expenses relating to that. Like okay. that would like I maybe that's that. why she was asking for right, the money. Right, right, right. Some also, th- some also think if she Your were pregnant. Your voice not really high there, Kate. <laughs> you were like some. Oh. I like, and also my tongue didn't work, and I was like, where did it go? <laughs> Kate's gonna launch into an aria. Oh. Some I wouldn't do that to you guys. Some also think if she were pregnant, that the argument they had might have been about her getting an abortion. The pregnancy theory comes up a lot mm. on online forums, but again, nothing is corroborated. Nothing, right. Terry, Keith's ex-wife, yep, Terry, also mentioned to Anthony Wayne that Keith had been arrested for robbing a pawn shop at gunpoint and stealing some valuable coins. I couldn't find a police report on this incident online, so I don't have a date for that. But it sounds like it was during Terry and Keith's relationship. relationship. And that would not be Keith's only arrest. In August of 2017, he was charged with possession of cocaine, tampering with or fabricating physical evidence, resisting arrest without violence, and keeping a building, shop, or vehicle for drugs. That is according to the Melbourne Police Department in Melbourne, Florida. Then in July of 2018... 
He was arrested again for violating his probation and grand theft pocket picking. That's also from the Melbourne Police (gasps) Department. On TikTok, there's a lady in Italy who goes around because pickpocketing is such a a problem Mm. over there. She'll seek people out that are pickpocketing. Oh. um, And she'll yell in the street and she's like, Attenzione, pickpocket. Oh, Borsa wow. Which means pickpocket in Italian. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Sorry, that's just, it, I, look it up. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> I believe you. Sorry, go ahead, Kate. So Keith was not exactly an upstanding citizen, one sure. might say. However, that's not proof that he had anything to do with Tammy's disappearance. No. Despite being the last known person to see Tammy alive, Keith was quickly ruled out as a suspect. Lieutenant Jim Scragg said, quote, given no more information than we had, there wasn't much more we could do. There was nothing out of the ordinary about the guy. No criminal history. No nothing. So it sounds like at the time Tammy went missing, Keith Roberts' record was clean. Yeah, I was going to say, like, those charges came way later. Mm-hmm. In the Florida Today article by Hannah Leah Skolnick that came out the day after Linda filed the report, Lieutenant David Bartman of the Cocoa Beach Police Department said there was no indication that Tammy had been taken anywhere against her will and they didn't suspect foul play. So unfortunately, they just assumed she ran away. Did they search the area where he said he dropped her off? They did. They combed the beaches. They put up flyers, but nothing came from it. Nothing came from it. It seems unlikely that she just ran away. Aside from her purse, she didn't have any personal belongings with her. Like, she hadn't packed a bag or anything. Mm-hmm. And she had planned to meet up with her friend Rick Adams that day. It seems like she would have at least called him to be like, hey, I'm skipping town, just FYI. Mm-hmm. Tammy had been pissed off that her mom had taken her to that facility, but Linda said that even if Tammy was mad at her, she still would have called home. We need to talk about a couple of other interesting men in the area at that time. The first is Christopher Bernard Wilder, also known as the Beauty Queen Killer. His name had been floated around as being a potential person of interest in this case. He was born on March 13, 1945 in Sydney, Australia. And pretty much right from the jump, he sucked. When he was (laughs) 17, he was part of a gang rape of a 13-year-old girl. Oh, oh, that's on a beach. He pled guilty. Okay. But all he got was a year of probation and some counseling. When he was 23, he got married. But his wife accused him of sexual abuse and said he had tried to kill her. And police came to him questioning him about a sexual assault. There were pornographic photos in his car. There was just like a bunch of stuff that that was falling in around him at that time. Mm -hmm. So that marriage quickly ended within a week. The following year, when he was 24, he moved to Boynton Beach, Florida, which is north of Miami and a couple of hours south of Rockledge, where Tammy lived, just to give you a sense. It was while he was in Florida that he picked up the hobby of photography. And he was like, oh, I can do some pretty horrific things just by saying I'm a photographer. So he starts hanging out on the beaches of South Florida. He would approach women saying, hey, I'm a photographer. Have you ever modeled before? You're so beautiful. You know, it just so happens I'm in the industry and like I could help you get a modeling contract. Scam. 
And he'd be like, come with me. I'll just, I'll do a few test shots of you. In 1971, he was arrested for trying to get two young women to pose nude, but he never served any jail time. In 1974, he lured a girl back to his house where he drugged and raped her. He never served jail time for that either. Jumping ahead a few years in 1982, he took a trip to visit his parents who were still living in Australia. And while he was on this little vacation, he was like, um, I think I'm just going to kidnap some people. So he kidnapped two 15-year-old girls, children, and took pornographic photos of them. And he was arrested, but his parents bailed him out of jail. Imagine, like, police come to you and they're like, uh, your son, who is an adult, just kidnapped these two kids and sexually assaulted them. And the parents be like, oh, that's okay. Just get him out of jail. What? Who does that? Shitty people. That's who. So, of course, as soon as he got out of jail, he flew right back to Florida. I don't understand. the Like, how is he here in the first place? I don't know, but I will say he was a race car driver. And he would, like, compete in the Miami Grand Prix. and That's he was, probably how he got over here then. He was also, like, really fucking wealthy. There we go. Well, never mind. If you have enough money, you can go anywhere. And that was part of the thing is that, okay, he's got the Australian accent. Charming. He, you know, has all the equipment, so, like, seems profesh. And when he says, like, well, you know, just come to my, come to my house. You know, that's where I have some my equipment set up. He had a dark room in his house. He had a studio there, and it was a, like a fucking mansion. He had a like, beachside property. Uh, so girls are just like, okay, yeah, seems legit, yuck, I guess. Yucka, yucka. Yeah. So he gets out of jail in Australia, flies right back to Florida, and because of a bunch of legal delays, his case was never heard because he ended up dying before his case went to trial. He never served any jail time for it. The following year, 1983, he was still in Florida, and there he came upon two young girls ages 10 and 12. He kidnapped them at gunpoint, forced them into the woods, and then made them perform sex acts on him. No. Wilder didn't get the name Beauty Queen Killer until a seven-week-long killing spree that reportedly began on February 26, 1984, in which he murdered at least eight women. Now, this was a few months after Tammy had disappeared. One of Wilder's victims was Beth Kenyon, a beauty queen who at one point had been a finalist in the Miss Florida pageant. She was last seen talking with Wilder at a gas station. Rosario Gonzalez was a model who had also competed in that Miss Florida pageant, and she was last seen leaving with Wilder after a Grand Prix event in Miami. The remains of both women have never been found. (sighs) Beth's parents hired a private investigator who went to Wilder's home to question him. And when that happened, Wilder apparently got scared that, you know, it was closing in on him. So he fled to Merritt Island. Merritt Island, remember, is where Linda's modeling agency was and where Tammy had spent a lot of time. While on Merritt Island, Wilder kidnapped and murdered 21-year-old model Teresa Ann Ferguson. There were five other murders in this seven-week killing spree before Christopher Wilder was killed in a scuffle with police on April 13, 1984. He never served any time for his crimes because he died before they went to trial. Well, at least he died in a violent way. I think it was self-inflicted. He killed himself? 
he took a gun out and he aimed it toward himself. It is not, it's not been proven that he was trying to kill himself or if he was trying to kill like the officer who was behind him. The bullet did end up going into that officer, one of them, but that officer was okay. Okay, good. But it sounds like he knew the the jig was up and was like, I'm going to go out the way I want to. Fuck. But it's not been Fuck that bitch. quote unquote confirmed. Investigators in Tammy's case found no evidence linking Wilder to her disappearance, but he is suspected in several other murders dating all the way back to 1965. He potentially has more victims out there. And again, the remains of some of his victims have never been found. So it's interesting that they were quick to rule him out because I I think there might be more there. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about like a seven week spree, but you're talking about a long history of violence. Yeah, because even though this spree technically began after Tammy disappeared, doesn't mean he wasn't killing prior to that before. Yeah, you know. So there are two different accounts I found online about how Tammy might have known Christopher Wilder. The first one comes from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, because there's no news article linked as a source to this claim, so I'm not sure where they're getting it from. Mm. But it states that Linda said that Tammy and Wilder met on the set of Spring Break in Fort Lauderdale, that movie that she did in 1982. And Fort Lauderdale would have been just a 40-minute drive from his home in Boynton Beach, so it's plausible, but I haven't been able to find anything confirming that he worked on that movie or was around that set. It says Linda, so this Wikipedia article says Linda further claimed that Wilder then traveled to Brevard County to try and convince Linda to let him photograph Tammy. Again, nothing to confirm this. In Anthony Wayne's research, he states that when Linda was shown photographs of Wilder, I presume by the police, mm-hmm. She was positive that he had visited her modeling agency on multiple occasions in 1983 looking for models. She said that Tammy worked for her part-time at the agency, like working at reception, helping with scheduling, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And that it was there that Tammy had actually spoken to Wilder. But I couldn't find a source of where Anthony Wayne got this information, so I don't know where he was pulling that from. After Tammy's disappearance... Linda filed a $1 million lawsuit against Wilder, claiming he had kidnapped her and possibly killed her. She was asking for compensatory damages for mental anguish, pain and suffering, the loss of value of Tammy's estate, and funeral expenses, even though there was no evidence at that point that Tammy was deceased. And to be honest, there's still no evidence that she's deceased, but I think she is. After Wilder was killed in April of 1984, Linda withdrew the lawsuit, stating that she didn't think he had anything to do with Tammy's disappearance. She said she only pointed the finger at him to keep Tammy's name in the news. Another man in the area at that time was John Brennan Crutchley, also known as the Vampire Rapist. Sorry, that's just so shocking. Yeah. The Vampire Rapist. Yes. I've never heard of these people, Kate. These two men are in the area. Like the immediate area. The immediate area of Brevard County. Oh my God. When Tammy disappeared. John was born on October 1st, 1946 in Clarksburg, West Virginia. Holler. That's an hour away from where I am from. I was going to say it's got to be near where you were. Clarksburg keeps coming up in conversations recently. I don't don't know. I keep stumbling on it. That's weird. Maybe it's like a sign that you need to... 
I'm not going back there. I was going to say that you need to avoid the area at all costs. Yeah, I don't have any plans to go back to West Virginia. John had a pretty fucked up childhood. Basically, his older sister died before he was born, and his mom was hoping he would be a girl. Like, kind of to replace her, I guess. So she dressed him up in girls' clothes for the first six years of his life. Like, she would force him to wear dresses, even when he was like, I don't want to wear this. That's messed up. It's really really fucked up. Yeah. He also claimed both his parents beat him as a child. Overall, it was a horrific situation in that house. Although he had a high IQ, he struggled in school. He didn't have any friends. He mostly just kept to himself. However, he ended up earning his master's degree in engineering and bounced around working for several high-tech companies. Like, he was crazy smart. In 1977, already having been married and divorced, Crutchley was dating a woman named Debbie Fitzjohn. One night, she went to his trailer to hang out and was never seen alive again. Her remains were found a year later, and although Crutchley was the prime suspect, investigators never found enough evidence linking him to the crime. Great. Between 1979 and 1983, Crutchley was working in Washington, D.C. at tech companies that worked specifically with the government, like mainly in aerospace and spacecraft, software and systems engineering, along with defense technology like naval weaponry and communications. So he had access to a lot of highly classified information and was given security clearance. I just like security. My tongue's not working today. It's because I went to the track and like everything's falling apart. (laughs) I'm melting. My wrist hurts. I don't know why. He was given security clearance at the Pentagon because of his work. He also had access to the, I'm going to say this wrong, Norfolk Naval Air Station. In 1982, 23-year-old Navy messenger Pamela Kimbrew was murdered. The cause of death was strangulation. 11 months later, in February of 1983, 21-year-old Navy clerk Carol Molinar went missing. Her remains were found three months later in May at the naval base under some rocks along a seawall. Like Pamela, she had also died of strangulation. So that was all in Washington, D.C. Right. The following month in June, Crutchley moved to Brevard County, Florida. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. It's just like amazing. It's right. like th- there's this, you know, force field of like attraction. Shit it's bags. Like a sh- <laughs> the, I mean, it's just like all these people are. I'm also yelling into the microphone. Okay, yeah, I apologize. I, I, it's fine. I I'll stop you. yelling. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just so funny that like it's attracting all of these horrible people right? to the area. It's and they're so all in, weird. you know, operating in this. Same place. Oh. Yeah. Why Brevard County is, do we know? There's a NASA station in Brevard. There is a NASA station. Okay. And, and he was working at, it's actually on uh, Merritt Island, uh, the NASA station. Holy and shit. Okay. He was working at a high-tech company there. So it was just, he moved for work. I see. Okay. Well, then that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Apologies. Um, I was not trying to say that Florida attracts bad people. Also, I think my wrist hurts because I went to hip-hop class on Tuesday and I never do the floor stuff, but oh. I decided to get down on the floor on my you got hands. down. And I put my feet behind me. And I, you know, when you kind of arch your boot butt up and twerk 
on the ground. I'll show you later. Okay, great. Thank you. Can I take a video of it? And yes. Put it up for our Patronians. <laughs> um, do, 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 do. I apologize. Continue, Kate. Uh, so he moves to Brevard in June. One month later, Tammy disappears. By 1985, several young women around Florida had gone missing, some turning up dead. Two of the victims' bodies were found near the tech company where Crutchley worked. One was able to be identified, but the other wasn't. Overall, Crutchley is suspected of killing at least 30 women over the years. However, investigators... Can never link him because there wasn't enough evidence and buddy, buddy, blah. Stupid fucking bullshit. That's verbatim what I typed. (laughs) Why was he called the vampire rapist? Though? We're going to okay, get, into, get it. into it. What he was convicted of, however, was kidnapping and rape. In 1985, he picked up a 19-year-old woman who was walking along the road and it had begun to rain. And so he pulls up next to her and officer offers op, God. <laughs> My tongue just is that track. Afterwards, your it's your tongue's just like hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> you're like It feels like it is. Ah, okay. <laughs> I had to do some little exercises. Kate and I are going to take a break to do some tongue exercises. Yes. It's not like you think. Oh, that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> Back to it. Yes. So Crutchley pulls up alongside this 19-year-old girl. And he's like, hey, let me help you out. It is pouring out here. And she looks at him. He's very well-dressed, looks legit. And she was like all right. She's like, he's just trying to be nice. And you know, I don't have far to go. He's dressed as a Dracula. Can you imagine? I can, but it's not good. Rather than take her where she'd asked to go, he instead took her back to his house Hmm. where he tied her up and sexually assaulted her for days. Days? Days. And he also used a syringe. No, Kate. No, 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 no. To extract her blood, which he did in multiple rounds eventually draining her of almost half her blood that makes me want to throw up and then he drank it telling her i'm a vampire hence the nickname the vampire rapist um that's literally the worst thing i've ever heard i'm gonna counter that with a there is a song called vampires are alive by dj bobo And it was performed at Eurovision probably about a decade ago. Okay. And he's like, I am a vampire. I work through the daylight. I just needed to do something fun. (laughs) Okay. And the the chorus is like, vampires are alive. The legends have to survive. (laughs) You guys, he's doing a dance. His hands are on his hips. And he's like... Popping it. I think the hip hop class is like still in you. Yeah. I my back cracks and then I just fall over. <laughs> okay, oh. I apologize. No, you're Everyone fine. go listen to DJ Bobo's Vampires Are Alive. Thank you, Kate. Okay. I just got rattled <laughs> and I need to just talk about that. I understand. <laughs> this young woman managed to escape. Good. And good, find good, help, good. Which led to his arrest. Crutchley died of autoerotic asphyxiation. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Thank you. In his jail cell in 2002. He was trying to do it while he was in jail. It's not the first case I've heard of people passing that way in prison. If you're into that stuff, like, be just be careful. Like, 
Also, I don't know what I'm talking about. I should probably just be quiet for a few minutes. <laughs> Continue, Kate. <laughs> so he died in 2002. So he was in Brevard County at the same time Tammy went missing. Keith said he dropped her off in a parking lot. It's plausible she was wandering alone and Crutchley came upon her, perhaps offering her a ride. We don't know. I uh, I don't think that happened. I'm sorry. I, I His victims were found. He didn't go to great lengths to hide them. He buried them near his work. Like, they were around and they were found. You know what I mean? I, I understand that there might be people out there that are missing and were victims of his, but this one doesn't sound as plausible to me as it the beauty queen killer. Also just remind you that one we he's never been convicted of murder even though it's assumed that he did convict at least or sorry did commit at least 30 murders and some of the victims that people assume are his or that could likely be his some of them could not be identified and I will just tell you now due to poor record keeping Tammy's dental records were lost. So I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to tell you what I think at the end so we can talk about it. So we've got three potential persons of interest. We've got Keith Roberts, we've got Christopher Wilder, and John Crutchley. But because of the delay in the filing of the missing persons report and the fact that Tammy was legally an adult, detectives didn't seem to treat the case with much urgency. And they couldn't find evidence of any of those men being involved in her disappearance. From what I can tell, Wally Eberwine, the man Linda listed on the police report as being someone Tammy had been staying with, was never questioned. Linda also told police about another man, Robert Valenti. She described him as a white male in his late 30s to whom Tammy had been recently introduced. He lived in Cocoa Beach at the time, and Linda said he had, quote, an unsavory reputation regarding his involvement with teenage girls. But I couldn't find anything saying anyone by that name had been questioned, nor could I find him online. There were several Robert Valentes, but I couldn't confirm which one Linda might have been talking mm -hmm. about. Rick Adams, Tammy's good friend, said the police never called him to ask him any questions, which he thought was really weird. He told Florida Today, quote, I thought I'd be a logical person to question since I was with her the night before she disappeared but they never talked to him. In 1985, two years after Tammy vanished, Detective Harold Lewis of the Cocoa Beach Police Department received two phone calls. He said the first one was a woman who just said that Tammy Leppert was well and would contact the police when the time was right. During the second call, a woman, presumably the same one who'd called before, said Tammy was doing what she always wanted, going to school to become a nurse. And Detective Lewis was like, all right. He thinks that Tammy just ran away from home. He said he didn't suspect any foul play. And he was like, that unidentified woman on the phone said she's going to nursing school. So there I mean, you have that it. That was one of the theories that I was thinking of was like, she was, you know, she didn't like being with her mom. Like she was, she wanted out of the pageant stuff. Maybe she did just take off. Linda never believed the nursing school story. She was like, Tammy was deathly afraid of blood. Like, of all the professions you could have picked, that's the least likely one for her to choose. Plus, I never read anything saying one of her goals was to become a nurse. To be a nurse, right. 
So that might have just been some crazy lady. I think this woman was just either fucking with the investigation or someone who knew something put her up to it to throw off the detectives. Did they ever investigate this lady? Sure didn't. Because Harold Lewis was like, oh, well, I guess Tammy just left on her own accord. Up until then, that was really the only information the police department received regarding Tammy. Linda had even hired a private investigator to try and find more information on what might have happened to her daughter, but it doesn't seem like he was able to find anything. And Linda ended up not paying him his fee, so he's another person who feels he was conned by her. Then in 1992, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on Tammy's case. Oh, right. Yes. I meant to watch that, and I forgot. It's okay. I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. Neither Wilder nor Crutchley nor Keith Roberts are mentioned in the episode. (laughs) Keith is alluded to, but they just refer to him as a friend that she went to the beach with that day and got into an argument with, but they never say his name. Well, then what the fuck does the episode posit? It's about a 14-minute long segment. It has reenactments of Tammy freaking out on the set of Scarface, of her getting locked out of the house and using a bat to smash the window, and of her getting picked up by Keith Roberts and the two of them getting into an argument and him dropping her off. In the segment, Wing Flanagan, Rick Adams, Walter Lebowitz, and Tammy's mother all give interviews, as does Lieutenant Jim Scragg. And this is what's so interesting about the episode. According to Rick, Linda wanted complete control over the segment. At the time they taped it, Debbie, Tammy's half-sister who was living in California, she was back, and she was living with Linda at the time. Linda asked Debbie to go outside while they were filming. She didn't want her to be involved and didn't want her to hear anything that was being said. Why? We don't know. Linda told Rick he could speak, but she was really picky about what he said and what was used. And one thing that tells me Rick is telling the truth about all of this and that Linda was just trying to control the narrative is when host Robert Stack mentions Wing Flanagan, he says... Wing was 11 when he moved into Linda's house. Linda and Tammy moved into his house. Or technically his mom's house. Mm -hmm. But Wing's mom is never mentioned. It's made to look like Linda was taking care of this kid who needed a home and that she took him in. But really Linda didn't have any money. So Layla Flanagan took her and Tammy in. Mm -hmm. Right. Producers of the show asked Keith Roberts to participate, which he initially agreed to do. But he ended up backing out, and he said it was because when he heard the line of questioning, it seemed to him that the show was going to try to make it seem like Linda was responsible for Tammy's disappearance, and he didn't want to go on there and talk shit about Linda. Why not? Don't know, and I don't even know that that is the actual reason that he backed out. Maybe Linda said don't appear. We don't know. Anthony Wayne tells the Unfound podcast that... Law enforcement didn't want any information shared with Linda Curtis. And when the podcast host, Ed Denzel, I haven't mentioned his name, but I need to. Ed Denzel asks him where he got that info. Anthony said it was from a Florida Today article about the Unsolved Mysteries episode. But I've read that article that he's referring to. There's nothing about that in there. There's nothing saying that law enforcement didn't want to share info with Linda. Anthony also states that no law enforcement appear on the segment, which isn't true. Detective Scrag is on the seg- mm-hmm. is on the segment. So I'm not sure why there's a discrepancy there. 
if maybe Anthony is confusing it with something else, Anthony, let us know because that's confusing. Unsolved mysteries will often include info about a case that isn't true so that when they receive tips, they can weed out the people who clearly don't I did know. I know that. Yeah. Who don't know about the case or who are like giving false tips or whatever. So in Tammy's episode, they say she was dropped off without a purse and she was barefoot. That's not true. But it continues to get reported that way online, which then gets people all worked up like, well, why was she barefoot? Who took her purse? That kind of thing. It's not true. I'm only bringing it up because if you look up this case, that comes up a lot. Yeah. After the segment aired, about 300 tips came in regarding Tammy's disappearance. Wow. One person claimed they saw Tammy hitchhiking. Another said they saw her in a bank cashing a check. But none of these sightings could be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Linda was critical of how law enforcement handled the case. And honestly, like, I don't blame her. I don't her. blame her. Even Detective Scragg said Keith Roberts was never properly interrogated. He said Keith broke two appointments for face-to-face meetings, which had always bothered him. Linda also thought high-ranking government officials might have been involved in her daughter's disappearance. And this links in with the money laundering thing, because apparently at that time in Brevard County, there was a money laundering ring involving prominent people in town. Linda claimed that she was writing a book as well as a screenplay about Tammy's disappearance, but neither came to fruition. Linda suffered a slew of health issues pretty much from the time Tammy vanished. In 1983, the same year she went missing, Linda was in a serious car accident that left her disabled. Mm -hmm. She had degenerative heart disease, which led to her having multiple heart attacks, and she was suffering from liver and kidney failure. In 1995, three years after the Unsolved Mystery segment, Linda made one final plea for information from her deathbed. In a Florida Today article from, I keep saying Florida Today, but we- Florida Today! We talked about it in part one, so that's where we are. In a Florida Today article from September 20th, 1995, Linda says, quote, There's always the possibility that someone will feel sorry for me. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me, but if that's what it takes to get the right person to come forward, that's okay. I won't be able to bring charges against anybody. I just want to know. Yeah. Unfortunately, Linda died at the age of 54 mm, without ever finding out what happened to her, to her daughter. daughter. Yeah. Tammy's half-sister, Suzanne, has tried to get more information on the case. She has a Facebook page. I'll link it. She had a website at one time, but last I checked, it was no longer live. She has been on the online forums, not recently, but she was pretty active a few years ago. Mm-hmm. She said that there are some family members that think Linda was responsible for Tammy's disappearance. But I don't know what Linda's motive would be for that. Tammy was her income, so that seems highly unlikely to me. And Tammy was her entire world. Yeah. There is also a theory out there that Tammy assumed a different identity and just left. According to Suzanne, Tammy did have possibly three different social security numbers. Debbie, another sister, disputes this. She's like, well, how would Suzanne even know that? And I don't know. I could see it being plausible that Tammy would have multiple social security numbers as Linda's way of making it so that Tammy could work some of the jobs she did before she turned 18. And they did have a shady lawyer on their side who could have potentially helped obtain the social security numbers. But 
I think the thought of Tammy using one to change her identity is highly unlikely. I don't think she well, lived on her if, own accord. Well, if she did, then Linda would have that number and could track it, right? Like that. Yeah, so none of I don't that falls true. apart. That yeah. whole theory falls apart. Despite Suzanne saying she wants to find out what happened, she's not very quick to talk to people who have looked into this case. I'm sure she's leery of trolls and all of that. I mean, I understand that. Yeah, so like, don't really blame her. But John Torres, host of Murder on the Space Coast. Space Coast, I had to look it up. It's another term for the east coast of central Florida because it's where the space program started. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He did a three-part series on Tammy's case that came out in December of 2020. And he Mm -hmm. tried reaching out to... Why can't words come out of this? (laughs) 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 He tried reaching out to Suzanne, but she never responded. He said the most frustrating thing when he was preparing his series was how no one from Tammy's life seemed to want to talk. Or if they did, they insisted it be off the record. And originally, he had kind of dismissed the theory that she knew something about some money laundering scam or drug ring or whatever that led to her disappearance. But after everyone refused to talk to him, he was like, maybe there's something to that. He tried getting in touch with the Cocoa Beach Police Department. But they wouldn't give him any information either, stating that it was an open case. I'm going to need to backtrack for a second. Sure. Who corroborated that she was worried about the money laundering thing? Who did she mention it to? Oh, so she mentioned it to Rick Adams. Rick. Mentioned it to her mom, which, you know. But she did mention it to Rick Adams. She doesn't say money money laundering to him. She says she saw something she shouldn't have and she's worried someone might try to kill her. Linda and Walter Leibowitz are the ones saying that it was money laundering. And in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, Robert Stack talks about how there is this money laundering thing that's like kind of a big deal happening in Brevard County at that time. And But we also don't know anything about the party. Well, and we also know that Linda was controlling the narrative of that episode. So if she was going on the money laundering theory, she could have very well been like, well, in here there was this big money laundering ring at the time. Let's mention that on the segment. Anthony Wayne also had trouble getting people to talk. He messaged Wing Flanagan on Facebook several years ago regarding the case, and Wing saw the message and then immediately deleted his Facebook page. Weird. I'm not sure what I think. I I have some I do have some thoughts. I do believe Keith Roberts is being truthful about the events of that day. I think they got in a fight. Now, I'm not sure what the fight was about, but I do think that he picked her up. I think they got in a fight and he let her out of the car. It's possible he made her get out of the car rather than her asking him to let her out. And I kind of think he probably was pissed at her for what for something and was like, get out. I could see that, but I don't think he had anything to do with her disappearance. To me, Christopher Wilder is the strongest suspect. And a lot of people have like brushed him off, brushed him and Crutchley off. But I think he's a really strong contender here. Kate? Kevin? I don't even know that she got dropped off up there. You think Keith had something to do with it? No, I'm I'm saying that there's there's something, to me there's something really fucking fishy going on in the background of this entire story. Like what? I don't know. Mm. Someone knows something and someone is somebody is trying to cover something up. I I don't know about any of this. It's 
very bizarre. Nothing is nothing is set in stone. Everything is he said, she said, mm-hmm. they said. Yep. This is the story that I heard from this person that said this, and yep. that's happening around there. I honestly don't trust any of it. Yeah. And something terrible happened to Tammy. I believe that. Something bad happened to Tammy. She was a beautiful young girl. Unfortunately, in our fucked up society, our patriarchal sh- bullshit where men can kill women and get away with it, I think she was probably murdered. I and do I too. think something bad happened. And I think the people who are closest to her probably know what happened to her. It's weird that none of them want to talk. It's, it's, see, that's the thing, though, right? It's, nobody wants to say anything. The mom is the one who's controlling the narrative. And she has a shady past. And she's friends with these really fucking shady people. I think Tammy got caught up in something that she couldn't get out of or she, maybe she did know something and she was murdered for it. And I think that the mom and I think all her shady shit friends were in on covering it up. I don't know. I Again, and I can only say that because of like every, I mean, you did a great job with laying everything out. Thank you. It was and a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot of stuff. But I mean, there's very few definitive things that we can pull out of that, that story. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so tough. That's what, exactly. And I could see the Australian race car killer, beauty queen killer, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, I got you. I, I, you know, that's very well, but me, you know, me, since we're just speculating off the fucking yeah. ship, <laughs> um, I, that's not a term that people say. But it is now. But it is now. <laughs> sorry, but it is now. Um... I'm just yelling. I'm really upset. I know. At the blood and the vampires. Kate, what are you that, doing? That really turned it for I'm you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I love horror and gore and bullshit, but like real life, like sucking yeah. out blood. And it's a different thing. I can't do it. Vampires are alive. Maybe Wilder did kill her and the mom felt guilty about maybe, maybe she put her in a bad, maybe the mom put her in a bad situation for work, for, for something. So you know, she pushed her into a whole bunch of other shit that she didn't want to do. It sounds like maybe Wilder hired Tammy from the from the agency and then he killed her. And then for whatever reason, because of shady business bullshit, the mom had to cover it up. The only thing that I would say doesn't track for me with that theory is that if she knew that she she should have gone ahead through the, with the lawsuit, but she withdrew that suit. Well, and here's the thing, Kate. You said that when she filed the lawsuit, she said for funeral expenses, mm-hmm. and we don't even know when Tammy is dead. To me, that says, you know your daughter is dead. I think she was doing something similar that she did with Keith Roberts. Here's, here's what I... She was trying to smoke people out? I think she was just trying to find answers. I'm trying to look at it from a distance. I think she was a mom who was trying to raise this teenage daughter and they were fighting at the time. And I think she probably felt some guilt about that. I think she was just trying to kind of throw anything she could against the wall to see what would stick. So first she tried Keith Roberts and said the thing about the urgent phone calls that didn't come to fruition. Then the Christopher Wilder thing came up and I think she, you know, put this lawsuit out there and then he dies and she realizes, okay, that's not, there's nothing going to come from that. John Crutchley, I don't think 
was involved with this kind of like what you were saying like I don't think I think that's just a I mean that's a coincidence I don't think it's I don't think it's him the money laundering thing very confusing to me I'm not sure what that's about because the only people who specifically state money laundering are Linda and Walter Leibowitz and I don't think that we can trust either of them see that's what I'm saying like I'm Kate I don't even believe this party thing yeah, we don't know that there even was I don't, a party. I don't even believe in this party thing. The, this, like, she said this, and, and she was worried about this, and she was scared of this, and she freaked out on the set of Scarface because of what she experienced at this party. I, it's not adding up to me. It's really not adding up. That's why it's still unsolved. It's been 40 years. I mean, they we just don't know. Again, this is speculation. I'm not trying to say, like, ale- this is all alleged. Of course. And, I don't, I'm not, and I don't want to, you know, I know her family members are still alive and I don't want to like, Be disrespectful. I don't want to be disrespectful to them, which I might have been. And if so, I'm sorry. But I just, it's not, nothing is adding up. I just think that someone knows something. I think something else happened that maybe somebody didn't want to get out behind closed doors. I think Linda wanted to control the narrative because she wanted to protect her image as well as Tammy's image. And I think that's why she doesn't mention the pregnancy thing, because that is something that she would not have wanted to get out, that her teenage daughter had been pregnant, if in fact she was, we don't know. I think, like I said before, she was kind of throwing things out just to see if it turned anything up, because she didn't feel like law enforcement was helping Well, and I was just thinking, like, law enforcement really dropped the ball in all aspects of this. Mm -hmm. So I feel Um, like she kind of had to go on it on her own and just kind of like maybe make false accusations to see if that spooked anyone into coming forward. Unfortunately, I I think it only backfired. One thing that stood out to me was the thing that Keith Roberts' ex-wife talked about, where he had a picture of Tammy and said, you're going to end up like her. Here's the thing. I don't think Keith Roberts did anything to Tammy. Right. And I mean, like, he might have just said that in anger, like, you know, to be That's an asshole. Thing. And he's never committed a crime that we are aware of. I mean, well, sorry, I'm sorry. He's never committed murder, murder. that we are aware of. I mean, his charges are drug related later in life. And like theft. It do- Even though, yes, he was abusive that d- towards Terry, according to her, that doesn't mean that he is a murderer. What I think with the whole like picture in his pocket, you're going to end up like her. I think he kicked Tammy out of the car that day. And felt bad. About what he did and felt bad because she disappeared I think he did care for her and I think that's why he kept a picture of her okay that makes sense I can see that and I could see in the heat of the moment with his partner Terry pulling that out and being like you're gonna end up like her I don't think he's saying I did something to her and that's gonna happen no to you. Uh, that when you when you said that I, you know I immediately I mean? was thinking well that doesn't really mean necessarily mean he did something right so that's where we are. That is, that's all we know. And there there are more questions than answers, unfortunately. Let us know your thoughts, what you think happened. I'll put a thing on, Spotify lets you put questions at the end of uh, like oh, yeah. on episodes. So I'm going to put the question out there of like, what do you think happened to Tammy? You know, who do you think might have been involved? If you feel like mentioning it, mention, you know, writing your comments, let us know. Or you can put them on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at? At Horrorwood Podcast. Or you can Email us your thoughts at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Gmail. 
Uh, you can also send us like your own true crime stories, things that you've experienced please, please, please. and things that have happened to you or your own spooky stories. We want to hear that too. If you're like, I love them and I want to show mm. them with my money, you can jump on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorwood podcast. We hope that you guys have a safe and happy week. Sorry that this took so long to come out. I was going to try to get it last week, but you know what? That didn't I happen. Mean, this is No, I think this is a great two-parter, Kate. I mean, it was just a lot, and I didn't want to, you know, shove it all no, into no, no, one no. thing. And, and, or rush it together, yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm just so perplexed. I know. I'm just, like, left, like, what the fuck? That's how everyone is. And that's why it's just, like, a case that still gets talked about so much. And I mentioned in part one, it kind of has like a cult following online. Do people have a lot of theories? People have this. a lot of things to I say. I mean, you can, I mean, because there's not enough concrete information, you can absolutely have so many different theories. Yeah. I mean, what I just said, you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, and, and I've changed my thoughts from part one to part two on what right. I thought happened. I was con- consistently sitting here changing it. Like maybe she did run away and she's like, she had just had to get the fuck out. But now it just, there's so, there's too many shady people involved in her life mm-hmm. to not think that something went bad or I, something bad happened. I do unfortunately think that she was murdered. Yeah. And I think it happened shortly after Keith. Left Let her, her out of the car. Yeah. Okay. Have a good week. Wear your sunscreen, even though it's getting colder. And number one rule of horror would don't do murder. Bye. Love ya.